Yo, Joburg, everybody. It's episode 216 of G.I. Joburg. My name is Steve. I'm joined by my buddies, Paul and Rob. Hey, Paul and Rob. Hello, Stephen and Rob. Hey, Stephen and Paul. And hello to our live studio audience from the Berg Force. Yeah. Yeah. So, a week ago, Robert dropped the bombshell that Whoa. he's gone down the rabbit hole of the Blood for the Baron website and all the treasures (laughs) (laughs) that lie in wait there. If those of you uh, are Joe fans and do not know about Blood for the Baron, it is basically the starting point of your voyage of discovery into all that is action force. G.I. Joe from across the pond. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Blood for the Baron has toys, it has comic books, it has miscellaneous paraphernalia it is the english equivalent of yojo.com rest in peace (laughs) (laughs) yojo.com and along with his bombshell rob said that he had read the first story so original idea steve comes up (laughs) with episode 216 as a review of that first issue so this will serve hopefully to satisfy the curiosities of G.I. Joburg fans who are also Action Force fans and G.I. Joburg listeners who have never really dipped their toes, but should. Because if you're a stickler for all things Joe like me, this is a big nebulous hole in your knowledge and deserves to be filled. <laughs> Hell yeah, that's, that, that's what holes are for. Gotta fill them up. Oh, yeah. Gotcha. Uh... <laughs> but gentlemen, another week has passed. Um, here's to check in with you guys. What's what's new, Robbie? Nothing much. Nothing much. Um, what happened this week? Oh, we were still doing free comic book month at our, our comic book store because of COVID. We kind of um, spread it over a month, like we did last year. Um, so that's free going pretty comic good. Books for a whole month. Well, you you got to buy something to get the free comic, but still. <laughs> 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 yeah, free and ever free, is it? But is it know, like... it's free enough, four percent free. You know, <laughs> I'm just eating you... the free stuff. Do you is still do giveaways? Like free comic book day and then leftovers for the month. Well, well, <laughs> we just didn't want to have to like shove everyone into the store, you know, on one day. So it's we're still yeah. giving them out for free, technically, um... basically. Um, but it's just not to have to force everyone to come in on one day and it gives everyone a chance to kind of like get free comic books. Dude, um, free comic book day at your store was bittersweet for me always because you you guys had such great like giveaways, like freebies. Oh, but those were the best, to, yeah. In order to enter the draw, you had to obviously buy something. So I would buy the cheapest garbage I could find <laughs> just to get multiple, cho- like multiple options. Multiple choice? What am I saying? Multiple <laughs> opportunities to go into this draw. Yes. But I and never you, won you never a won. damn thing, you bastard. <laughs> you would buy like one thing and Yeah. I'd always win. I think and, I won yeah, two years you, in a row, actually. <laughs> but for anyone wondering, this wasn't an inside job. Robert hasn't hadn't started working there just yet. Yeah, yeah. yeah this was yeah. years and years ago. And also this is the twentieth year of uh, free comic book day. And I think, I mean, our shop has been doing it since the very start. So it's it's crazy to think it's it's been such a long time. And you get those like guys that come in like super early. 
Like they're outside the shop already. When you oh, yeah, they absolutely like, oh, love hello. doing that. You know, getting the best <laughs> deals before anyone else could. Um, you know, like, oh, I saw 10% off. I'm definitely going to come in and grab that statue I've been looking at for for, for years. Um, but it, it's just, just cool to have an event going throughout the month. You know, it kind of encourages people to come in. Um, and, yeah, you just get to see people you haven't seen for a while. There was a, a free comic book day a while ago when they did Walking Dead. The Walking Dead was big. And then they did like a reprint of the first issue of Walking Dead as a free comic book day thing. But apparently there was something with it that made it like somewhat collectible or chase worthy. I don't know. Ah. And same with Kick-Ass. Um, I remember there being like a thing. And geez, dude, everybody just wanted those issues. I remember that being like, you know, some form of trauma. <laughs> yeah, some people get very specific. They're like, oh, I want this free comic book. I don't want the other one, you know. Um so I think they are, yeah, they become as collectible as like any other kind of issues of, of comic books, really. I also, I, I personally also really loved uh, that they did a reprint of the first uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Uh, that was cool. Like, ah, uh, a while back, neat. yeah. Yeah, so I got one of those because, uh, I mean, it was there when it came in. And like, ah. you know, we our, our text was always cool with us. Our, our boss was always fine with us, like grabbing a few or whatever. But he was, he did sort of say, listen, guys. If you're going to grab, please just grab 10 that you want, you know, because obviously we don't want you guys taking everything. And I mean, we were cool. There were only one or two of us that actually even got to 10 comic books. And then, you know, the rest <laughs> of the team was like maybe one or two that they liked and that was it. I, I, I personally used to also love all those sketchbooks that they used to do. Like, so I think Top Cow did like a sketchbook issue that had like sketches and whatever's by Dave Finch and all that. Oh, that was yeah, great. That sweet. kind of stuff was awesome. That was always sexy for me. But uh, yeah, man, free comic book day is fun. <laughs> Paulie, how's your week been? Oof, uh, pretty good. Uh, busy as usual, uh, but that's not a bad thing. It's been it's been good busy. Um, but other than that, I did actually score something cool. Um, I just don't want to reveal it right now, just because I haven't got it in my hands yet. But I bought some uh, cool GI Joe stuff from a local guy. Again, <laughs> yeah. um, because he decided he wanted to sell some more of his stuff. So I, I picked up a few nice items. Um, Why there, don't so... you want to reveal it? Because Ooh. I figured it would be a nice surprise. And like I said, I wanted my hand. But I will I will uh, reveal one of them. And it's something that I've been wanting for a long time. Okay, I'll reveal two of them. <laughs> one of them, <laughs> one of them is... Yeah. Yay! It's a Ram. Ram cycle. Ooh. Yay! Your first. Yeah. The vintage one, no, yeah. You never forget your first RAM. That's my mm. first RAM. <laughs> and um, something else that I've wanted for a freaking long time as well is a Cobra Claw, but like a vintage one. Because the the one that they released during the modern era time, there was like a red one that they did as like a Walmart or Target exclusive. It's cool enough, but compared to the no. vintage, it's crap. It's hot garbage. There's nothing to it. It's just a, an empty shell. It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's lip service of the, the claw. It's the claw's yeah. outline. Yeah. And I, exactly. And I always thought, okay, that was great until you got a claw. Um, you faithfully picked up a claw one day from my local comic shop. <laughs> uh, two. Hate to break two. it to you. Sorry. Two. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I don't know. When I saw that, I was like, no, damn it. I need to get one. And also, have, owning a pterodrome, it's great to have a claw because you can hang them on the pterodrome. So I'm very excited about the arrival of those. They should be on Monday or Tuesday. Um, and then another small thing, I have mentioned this before, um, but a, a local Joe dealer, a guy that sometimes gets toys or whatever, uh, sort of 
uh, we were just chatting and he asked me if I had an extra Norga hide helmet. Um, if he's listening to this, you know who you are. Um, <laughs> and I was helmet. like, I mean, a hat, Norga hide hat. Just got hat. an extra one lying around. I actually do, as it turns out. <laughs> um, I do have one. I went to go and have a look and we got into chat and he's like, yeah, no, he's just trying to help some guys find accessories and stuff. And I'm like, well, speaking of accessories, um, I would really like low light version two's accessories. Um, do you know if anybody has got them? And then he went and did like an eBay search and he found them for super cheap, guys. Uh, like oh, $6. Paul, Paul, Paul. You told the story a week ago. I know, but it's still exciting. <laughs> anyway, that should be arriving soon as well with some other goodies. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Guys, so, you know, that's, you know, 1992 Duke. Yeah. The one that rides the rocket launcher. Yeah. Is, 35, is 35 Aussie dollars too much? I don't think so because locally there's one for sale for about 450 rand, which I think is about more or less the same, isn't it? Well, plus shipping, yeah. So, so yeah. if I if I was to pay 45 Aussie for it, it would be 450 rand. Okay, okay. I just think to myself, you know, it's not a duke that I would seek out unless I had no duke to hand. Uh, <laughs> you know, I I have the classic <laughs> grinning um, maniacally. 1983 84 mail away duke but uh, i don't have a duke here and this one's staring me in the face because it's got video game cred you know yeah i was gonna say if you want to have the characters the playable characters from the rail scrolling arcade game oh, that's the duke with you know red accents and all um he has a good gun he has a good knife he has a good helmet the the red is wild, but it was the nineties, so he will hold good company with the battle call roadblock, with I don't know, Dusty, Snake Eyes, all the wild boys from, from that era. Um, wild boys. Wild boys. Okay, I'll get it. <laughs> um you know, I was looking for one a bit cheaper because I you know, I was gonna just toss the, the rocket launcher. So if I find an incomplete one with just the gun and the helmet, I'd be like pouncing on that. But uh Bite the bullets. Why not? There's also another. There's another guy here locally selling some Street Fighter figures. Ooh. And um, ah, do yeah, you not so have I'm, a full collection? I don't. I used to. <laughs> oh, um, boo. But I don't. And, and after for watching on that, see our last podcast. <laughs> they all um, went with the customizers scalpel. But uh, watching Zaz's uh, last uh, episode of uh, of the Slaughterhouse or the the whole wrestling vibe um seeing balrog vega uh got me all excited for one again so yeah um there are a few floating around i'm currently talking to a gentleman about a sagat and a ken so hopefully i can make that happen he's here in joburg which is cool sagat is excellent that is a great such figure. A, yeah unique chest ken, uh, unique so torso much. as well um oh. but the vega that uh, zazel used in that slaughterhouse wrestling championship episode two check the link in the description below i'm gonna hype it one more time because it's awesome um that is a special one i don't know where that's from um i think I he's, he's, he's like an exclusive of some kind but uh that that is a good vega that is like screen accurate uh well yes. video game screen accurate which is a hell of a lot better than the gi joe street fighter series from 92. Was it three ninety three? But the mask, the mask. But he's um, got the mask. Oh, like and well. very timely is that you were talking about Norgahide's hat because it's a great fit on monkey wrench, as it turns out. <laughs> it looks so cool. Yeah, yeah, it looks great. 
Any hooch. Um, I didn't get any new shit, so if anyone else does, feel free to chime in. I mean, you <laughs> okay. in the comments, guys. <laughs> crickets, crickets. No, no, you, you, you smooth criminals. Rob, Paul, okay, that's a... Wow. No, nothing new. Blank slate for new shit. Gentlemen, what are you reading? What are you watching? What are you playing? Get me with the good stuff. Rob goes first. <laughs> oh, Rob goes first. Well, I'm still um, fervently playing Final Fantasy XIV, the, the online game. I'm getting much further with my many uh, crafting jobs. I'm still struggling a bit, but it's going good overall. Um... Otherwise, this week I've finally gotten back into Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, nine Nine. Nine Nine. <laughs> uh, seen the first four seasons. I usually watch it like over supper. Um, so I've kind of gotten. I'm now on the fifth season. Uh, it's just, it's crazy. I mean, I don't know how many more seasons there are, but like the fifth season came in 2017, and like it feels, it still feels like a very fresh show. Um, I think it's still the humor is still great overall. I I really enjoy it. Um, Otherwise, I actually started, not to bring up Motu into this, but I, oh, if someone's going to, it's going to be me or Paul. Um, but I actually started watching the other He-Man animated series, the, the CGI. From 2021. The, the, the other one. So not, so not yes. He-Man Revelation, but the, the CGI version. Oh, the new one for the kids. a completely different version of He-Man. Yes, the one for the kids. Is there a toy line associated with it? Surely there must be. I imagine there will be. I mean, I haven't seen any toys for it yet myself. Uh, I don't know if Paul's seen any. There are. There are toys. I'm, oh, they are. I'm not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I'm just going to say I, I kind of enjoyed it, it so far. It was the first three episodes. It's kind of its own take on the He-Man mythos. And He-Man is still very much the center of attention. Um, unlike, unlike in Revelation, where he kind of seemed to be sidelined. Um and it's it's kind of like a cool futuristic version of Eternia, where it's more like te technologically based, but there's also still a lot of magic, and the animation is actually pretty good overall so far. Hmm. So I'm I'm curious to keep going with it. I've watched three episodes, and yeah, I'm, I'm I, I want to see where, where where the rest of this goes. We do have a comment in our section uh, from Podcast from the Pit. Hey, another fellow podcaster in attendance. It's Casey who got some new shit. Uh, the thunderclap, holy heck! Uh, that's that's pretty major. Uh, you don't see people a... getting those too often. Well, Rob, reflecting <laughs> on your memories of the thunderclap, do you remember this piece? Do you remember when we got it into the, our our collection? Do you remember the games we had with it? We had a lot of fun with it. I mean, you you got it at the the Paro toy shop, didn't you? I mean, yes. it was a, it was a local purchase. My yeah, fourteenth birthday. It was already back stock by then. I mean, it was ancient. Oh my um, shit! Really? They still had it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Look, I mean, we. I got it for my fourteenth. That and an Arctic blast, and then, 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 I got enough cash monies on the big day at my party that we took a trip out. I think that the very same afternoon um, <laughs> to pick up the Sky Raven. <laughs> Which was like that for was a whole an amazing, and rand. they're all sealed in box. Yeah, that was yeah. the great, and the boxes still looked fresh. It was like they're just literally being put onto the shelves. I mean, and they must have been because I think wherever they pull these things from, it's from like a big warehouse somewhere. That's how we so, could keep going there and keep finding stuff, you know. But as I recall, this was like our battlefield HQ. 
like the thunderclap mm. because because we missed out on you know the 1983 hq we missed out on the rolling thunder the mcc you know other things that were more more suitable as like a, a nerve center we just made the thunderclap it um and it makes sense because it's you know it's got computer screens all over the place it's got the detachable scout vehicles which form an instant like perimeter um and it has a nice kind of internal space if you if you wanted to not use it as a cannon it could be just a a bunker yeah know, basically I mean, it, it definitely was man. the center of attention um mm. was without any other kind of base it was the biggest judge i think we had essentially i just remember loving loading it up with guys and just playing convoy that's that was <laughs> the, that was the game we we're just we we're just driving from point a to point b you know very sort of in character conversations happening amongst our guys um and that was it literally that, that was that was the game there was no action it was always the, <laughs> the 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 potential that something could erupt and that was almost something like might happen that was more exciting more... than the actual action itself hey and i do recall at one point like it started to drizzle and that was just so cool on that like smoky glass of the scout vehicles to have little speckles of 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 light rain so good anyways uh casey enjoy that thunderclap man it is a beaut i saw your instagram pics looks like you're you're on the hunt for a few missiles but uh the the vehicle itself looks immaculate so congratulations radness radness when people get cool stuff (laughs) i was thinking about something else about the way we used to play just the other day do you remember mm. that I, I used to provide soundtrack, and I'm not talking about like taping music from a video game and then playing it back. That came later. But do you remember that? <laughs> you know, in order that. to create, in order to create a mood, I would like do like a do 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 or something like that. Like, I, I even remember that. That uh, <laughs> It feels it feels familiar. I'm pretty sure you must have done it. I certainly did. And thinking back now, I was like secretly kind of sheepish about it, like embarrassed. Like, did you think <laughs> that, that was stupid at the time? No, <laughs> like, it adds something it? to it. You know, it's just like sound effects, but it's it's the music that kind of adds to the mood. I don't think I ever thought that was stupid. Well, the, the if I did, I would have told you. Thank you. No, but the reason I ask is because, like, in my mind, I was imagining, like, all the other instruments filling in. But, Mm. you know, I could only, with my mouth, produce, like, one melody or one kind of mood sound. And that's all that, obviously, you or Alistair were hearing. But um, if if it worked, it worked. Fantastic. I do recall you kind of joining in on the fun a couple of times, Rob, primarily for comedic effect but there was one instance in particular where i recall like instead of well just as a kind of a massive bank of computers for our chief baddie we used my brother's hi-fi and (laughs) you could not refrain from having i think it was destro and he was kind of like you know pressing the gigantic play and pause buttons and whatnot <laughs> and he started to, to, to sing the tune i like my music music i like my music music i like my music music i like my, I like my music music, music. <laughs> do you remember that i do actually <laughs> amazing good 
great comments that we've got in the live chat. Uh, Andrew's saying that he used to play Iron Maiden to set the stage. Now that's prescient because boy oh boy it did like you know metal become like the driver for like action movies. I mean, I'm thinking of like okay, maybe it's not metal exactly; it's more kind of poppy. But like boy oh boy, did Iron Man really like take on all of ACDC's playlist? Well, hey, I know, you sure. did not say ACDC is poppy, did you? Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying. They're not like the diehard fans. But it's it's Akadaka. Akadaka. <laughs> yeah. Love, Love me a little Akadaka. You know, is it Thunder or Thunder? After Christ, <laughs> devil conquers. That's why you can't wear ACDC shirts at my school during Flip. a service day. Paul, have you watched the latest Gundam series on uh, Netflix? Um, the series as in Hathaway Flash or the... Mm, Hathaway. Yes. Mm. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. I Good. haven't watched that yet. I, I started oh, watching okay. Resident Evil. Is it Darkness? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, are there, are there Inf- animated Infinite- Resident Evil movies? Yes, mm. Infinite Darkness. Ooh. I mean, it's just basically watching a, a Resident Evil cutscene. But oh. I, feel like, I feel like it it cuts in where I cut out on Resident Evil. That like, you know, I, I played Resident Evil two to death, and that was it for me. Um, so, so it, it's it's jumping right back into that. I think it's Leon and Claire and Resident Evil. Well, the events of the Raccoon City. I don't know br- outbreak. Are kind of fresh in everyone's memories so yeah i feel like i haven't missed anything that's handy also rick and morty finished up rob i know you were keeping current on that oh Any for thoughts? sure the end of that that season was really fantastic i just love how like he's trying to constantly avoid or like get away from like canon stuff and like furthering like a bigger story and then the entire episode is just trying to do that the entire time <laughs> Bro, that whole season trolled me hard because only by the end of it, only by the final episode where they are finally furthering the canon, I'm like, geez, I'm, I'm actually genuinely moved by this episode, and that's what was missing for, like, the eight previous episodes. Like, come yeah. on, man. I don't want to see serialized, like, return to the status quo episodes. I want to see the story furthered. Like, Rick and Morty had a interesting plot line. And then for an entire season, they just do one shots. Ah, trolls. <laughs> well, there was a few references like um, to a Birdman. There was a whole episode kind of focusing on trying to resurrect his friend Birdman and you get to see a bit of his past. And then obviously the final episode of the season, you, you get an entire like info dump of like, you know, I've got to watch this Rick's show, entire, um, you know, like origin story essentially. Um, I suppose, but I'm I'm more interested in you know, evil Morty. What's and, coming next? And yeah. the Citadel, like that was that was great. Wow, what an episode! For, well, what a what a season finale. Um, I also, at the behest of my wife, watched Frozen two, and that is oh, all right. that needs to be said. About <laughs> <it>. <laughs> just just let it go, Stephen. Just let it go. You know, let it go. Oh, the snowman. Get over it. Whatever. <laughs> Those are not the songs from the sequel, by the way. Oh, um, I know. For oh, a no. thousand yeah, Joe Book points, who can sing any line from Frozen two? 
I dare you. This is a trick. Check. If you can sing it, you should lose a thousand GI Joe points. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, who knows how this game works? Maybe it's like the Mad Magazine game where the object is to lose points. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. I, no, I, I, was... I I don't know any of the songs from that movie. Okay, everybody, take a shot. Hey. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, I just know that. that would for... you like to fuck a snowman song? From the first <laughs> I don't think that's real. Would you like to drink a snowball? I think it's because we don't have kids. That, well, I mean, I speak for Robin myself. That's why we won't have it stuck in our heads. Uh, Steve, prepare yourself. <laughs> You're going what? to know all the songs. You're going to know the all the kids' enough. movies, yeah. Hey, man, I love watching her playing with my kid and, you know, having the, the tunes playing in the background. Because Kim, I mean, I might be the performer in the family, but she can sing, guys. She can sing. And so, you know, that's always a touching scene. So it piqued my interest, and I'm ashamed that it did because I really shouldn't have ventured off that precipice. <laughs> Any hooch. If you got kids, you understand. If you got significant others that love Disney, you understand. Um, if you yourself love Disney, you understand. So, whatever. Yeah. No, shame. no, no hate for Disney or anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> obviously, no, never. I, 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 I mean, I suppose maybe I should go deep into this. I actually kind of hate Frozen because I love Tangled, Ooh. and I hate that Frozen got the um, amount of acclaim that it got when Tangled was actually a better movie. Oh, Tangled um, is definitely much better. Yeah, so I'm I, I'm just being a bit of a uh, animation shot fired. I'm interested yeah. if there's a crossover of GI Joeberg listenership and like Disney Disney files, um, Disney uh -huh. heads, Mouse Housers, uh, whatever you call yourselves. So if you <laughs> have a different opinion and say that Frozen rules and Tangled drools. Scroll on down to the comment section and let Paul know why, why, why he's a Yeah, let tool. me hear your thoughts. Uh, oh, jeez. Yeah. Anyways, we've dwelt on this long enough. Gentlemen, blood for the Baron! Ah! I keep on imagining so, him saying it like, blood for the Baron! But that's me. Well, there are a few, more than a few interesting nuggets that we can pull out of issue one, essentially, of the Action Force comic book. Uh, have have you guys both read this? Um, I have to yes. ask. Have no, absolutely. Boys. Battle Action I, I, Force. I've, I've reread. Boys. Okay, so the cover kind of reminds me of. Um, well, it's a very old school approach. It's very text heavy. It's kind of like a newspaper um, poster. I don't know something that's kind of advertising. A, a tabloid or something. It's just mm. very, very laden with, with information and text and stuff. It's like, Baron Ironblood, the evil genius, plans to conquer the world. Pitched against him, the power of Action Force. Read, Action Man, Action Force. It's it's heavy on the copy, and I kind of like that. It's, it's so old school. It's very, it, it definitely, yeah, it feels like, you know, there's, you can probably do an article in there to find out which, <coughs> uh, I don't know, which Doctor Who, like, companion you are. I mean, it's from the eighties. I mean, and more and likely it's than got Baron Ironblood, the key antagonist, right on the cover. Um, and unmasked funny you should say Doctor No, but it feels like yes, unmasked. It does feel like uh, he's kind of 
very much in the vein of Dr. No. Black gloves, the Ned Kelly style helmet, which I didn't know was, I didn't know what Ned Kelly was until I came to Australia. Very fitting. But he was a outlaw, kind of the, the wild wests of Australia who armored up with this kind of tin steel helmet um, and obviously a lot of heavy body armor. Um, it's his butter and it scratch. Off, what, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, was that Monty Python? Yeah. Yes. But, girl. gents, if you read on into the Action Force adventures, um, and, and, and if you really take this continuity to heart, when you see Baron Ironblood unmasked, guess who you're also seeing unmasked? Hmm. Can be that. There we go, Robbie. Eight. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So in AF continuity, Baron Ironblood, well, when when the toys get adopted uh, by the UK, he drops his Ironblood persona and takes on the mirror face. Anyways, gents, I've spoken enough. What are your opening thoughts on this story? Well, I have questions. <laughs> <laughs> It is, of course, the, 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 the debut story of Action Force. Um, it's dated 1983, uh, 4th of June 1983. This, of course, ran in its battle Action Force format into 1986 uh, and then became Action Force Weekly. They had just dozens and dozens of stories. I think, Rob, you said over 90? Yeah, I think it's about 92-ish at least from mm. what I can see from the website that we're we're sourcing these from. Oh yes, big ups to Blood for the Baron. Like, as I said before, uh, up top in the show, that is your one-stop destination for all things Action Force. So mm. if you're scratching your heads after this uh, podcast closes and you'd like to know more, yeah, link in the description. If you'd like to know more, <laughs> Paul, you Sorry. said you had questions. I have questions. Okay, so I want to check something quickly before I step in the mud here. On the Blood for the Baron site, uh, are, were these originally published in color or were they published in black and white? Uh, this first issue published in color, but okay, cool. Yeah, if you're seeing subsequent issues that are not colorized, uh, yes, they originally they were not um, released with color, they have been colorized since. Um, in fact, there was a the, the Blood for the Baron coloring project, which uh, yes, a friend of the show, Bart Simon, contributed on. Okay, no, that's cool because uh, so my first uh, my first thoughts when I saw this were, uh, and it comes from an art point of view. I love the colors that they use on this, um, and and it's something we sort of touched on about the GI Joe reprints or the rescans in the graphic novels, how the digital coloring flats out. I love how you can see on the Blood for the Bar or on the Battle Action Force pages that. Copic markers or watercolors were used to do the coloring and it looks amazing because you can see the strokes, you can see the texture in it and it's really awesome. Like I love the clouds and well the sky, the texture they use for the sky and how they use negative space for the clouds. It's masterful, keeps the background in the background. It's really, really sexy. And um, you've got some great dramatic coloring happening with the faces because that coloring really enhances the expressions, which brings me to my other favorite thing about this so far, the inking absolutely love the inking and i i wouldn't be surprised if this was done uh if the artist actually did this as either he went straight in with like some pencil layouts like loose pencil layouts and then just inked it all which i know is kind of a style for a lot of british comics and european comics in general 
Um, but it shows and there's so much great inking happening just in this first issue. And it's insane. It's insanely cool. I mean, I caught an, an episode of Toy Galaxy the other day and he was talking about Prince Valiant. And it took me back to when we used to get, well, I don't know if you still get in the newspaper. I haven't picked up a newspaper in years. But I remember when we used to get Prince Valiant in the sort of um, accompanying magazine that came with our Sunday newspaper. And mm. I used to be in love with the inking style and with the art style. And it was just so cool seeing that on Toy Galaxy. And then reading Battle Action Force a couple of days ago, I was like, wow, um, this is totally there. It's, it's something that I find to be very European. Um, I, I mean, you do find it in a lot of American books, but not necessarily always Marvel's stuff. So getting that grit and that, that texture that comes with the Battle Action Force stuff was, was a real treat. Uh, and let's waste no fantastic. further time yeah. um, in crediting the artist responsible for the, presumably the pencils, inks, and colors. Uh, a gentleman called Jim Watson. The letters were by Peter Knight. And this issue was written by Jerry Finley Day, who went on to produce Rogue Trooper for 2000 AD. So... He, he was cutting his teeth on these sort of war stories for battle. And then when he joined 2000 AD, his lasting contribution will, of course, be Rogue Trooper. So you are perhaps seeing all those incorporated elements. Uh, I mean, I assume you guys are fans of Rogue Trooper. Yeah. There's definitely some crossover between his work on Action Force and just kind of the arbitrariness of the violence at times. Um, it is very truthful. Uh, and and Rogue Trooper has always had such pathos, really, mm. about violence and about bloodshed and warfare. And yeah, that, it seems to be a hallmark of Jerry's style, to be honest. And we're seeing it here. The fanatical yeah, I mean... red shadows are just the consummate, I suppose, baddies. The ultimate, like, disposable enemy. Suicidal. Um, blindly following their leader with no question. They're like dehumanized, man. And the yeah, uniforms I... just sell it. Oh, yeah. They they look very cool. In fact, um, Black Major has actually just recently done a run of these guys. I think they're called the Red mm. Shadows, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. No? Yes? I hope they are, because that's what they are. Okay, no, no, I'm just, like, listen, I'm, I'm like a complete battle action force or action force noob so i'm getting you know i mean i've heard these names thrown around but I'm, i've never really been sure if that was the right thing but yeah um they've just recently done a bunch of them and like looking at the toys looking at the artwork of them the fact that they're all so well drawn every panel every one of them on every panel is drawn well they didn't fake it you know when they when they did the the art for them i mean there's that panel on the first page just it's on the top right and there's a little like landing vehicle and the one dude's in the front and he's pressing, you know, he's the, uh, he's the point man. You've got another guy in the foreground and he's kind of got his arm up and he's like shouting to them at the back and he's like, shadow track first, second and third waves fat out, you know, and it's just <laughs> so cool. It's just such a great like panel. Um, I love that a lot of the panels in this are like little miniature artworks and it's great to see that. Uh, so true. And you touched on something, you know, the European style. Well, the uniforms of the Red Shadows should be evocative of something. Come on, Mr. Artiste, can you speak <laughs> to that? Um, 
Yeah, I mean, like, I don't want to, uh, like, okay, so some of the obvious nods is, yeah, we're touching a lot on Nazi stuff. Um, but then there is a little bit of You could just Russian say the German army of 1930s and 40s. But okay, sorry. you want to drop the, 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 the N-word. Yeah, I mean, sorry, man. One, it's just one. like Nazis. <laughs> no, man, but they, they do have um, the sort of Wehrmacht look to them. Absolutely. But Well, there's a reason for that. These, I mean, Palitoy were masters of getting as much um, mileage out of molding uh, and tooling as possible. And this is no exception. The ubiquitous look of the red shadows is literally the German soldier. Um, then with a kind of a modified head sculpt, some tech in the back of the helmet, and then that really angular um, facade. I don't know what you'd call it. Um, it kind of, as a, once again, dehumanizes this uh, baddie with the white view slits. And just this unhuman looking uh, visage. But yeah, it's absolutely a German soldier uniform. There's definitely a lot of winning in the designs of, of a lot of the characters. Um, you know, it's been a lot of the action force. The Red Shadows, I think, are probably the, the standout for me, at least. Mm. But there's also some losers. Like uh, later on in the issue, <laughs> oh, they introduced Muton, the death robot. And like, I'm just staring <laughs> at the head and I'm like, what did you, how did you come up with this? It's so weird. It's like, so it, Doctor it, Who. <laughs> it makes sense for the time because I mean, you know, you can kind of see like uh, there's obviously a radio control unit on the top, um, and it, it's so non-compact, which it's kind of cool actually. It's so clunky, and yeah, yes, it feels very British. It feels like a British villain that you would come up with. It's just, yeah, he's well, basically Mr. a diver himself. Kind of throw a couple of things on there. <laughs> Mr. Palitor himself, or Bob Breakin, this was his brainchild as a way to reuse a previous toy. And if you were to guess what Mouton's original iteration was, like just the function, what do you suppose I that would, uniform? I would have thought a deep diver, so like some yes. sort of deep six, yeah, <laughs> deep sea diver, absolutely. You just, just pop a couple of extra things on the head, and it's a completely new thing. Bish bash bosh, so easy. I, but... Yeah. Do you think the use of Mouton as this kind of indestructible robotic menace, um, is it effective or is it a bit naff? I don't know. That's an unfair question, perhaps. <laughs> I, I personally love it. Um, like I, yeah, don't, I, I never liked it when I saw it as a toy. Yeah. Um, but I love it in the comic book. It is so sinister. Well, uh, the, and, and... the smart thing is that, you know, unlike a battle android trooper, which is, you know, easily sort of pops up and is just as easily dispatched, in this instance, they couldn't just lay into Mouton with heavy artillery because he's carrying the doomsday weapon of the issue, of the story. Um, this bomb that is probably capable of wiping out the entire uh, island on which the story takes place. I haven't really done a synopsis, but... Suffice it to say, Baron Ironblood and his his second in command, the Black Major, and the Red Shadows have invaded an island and are threatening it with a weapon that will wipe it out uh, unless a huge sum of money is paid over to them. Uh, One billion dollars. Well, no, the the amount is in pounds sterling. Um, anyways, um, so Action Force get ten pounds. <laughs> 
I don't know, what is it, 400 Exchange million? Exchange rates are really strong. Any which, uh, Action Force is called in to liberate this island and save the islanders from this, this bomb detonation. But Muton is... The bomb is buried along with Muton. Um, and once they unearth the bomb, they also unearth this unkillable robot. And now they've got to be you know, very careful as to how they dispatch him. Exterminate! Sorry, I've gone out myself. <laughs> I mean, I think because of the, because the stories take up less space than like a, at least a traditional American comic book, like the story is very well paced. It's always moving forward. And it's it feels almost real time. I think it is essentially real time as well. Um, mm. You know, you, you kind of get the initial setup and then after <laughs> that, it's it's kind of like, okay, how <laughs> they... You know, they infiltrate the islands. You get introduced to all the different divisions of Action Force, um, yeah. which is really cool. From the very start, they kind of have already set up. Um, you know, th these are the different units. These are the names of the, you know their commanders, um, and then they've even really thrown like a cool backstory for um, Baron Ironblood's like second in command, the Black Major, who's like an ex Action Force um, member, and he's a traitor. I dig that. I dig that. There's intrigue from the very start. It's not just the, the intrigue and the, and the you know the suspense of the of the actual event you know of the bomb going to explode, but it's like, oh, interesting. Okay, so there's connections between Action Force and 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 the you know the major bad guy that they're about to face. Um, <laughs> Pun intended. Major bad guy. Major bad guy. <laughs> there's That's also the historical. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> There's also some historical context to be added to this. So the action plays out on an island, volcanic island, but an island none, nonetheless, that has a islander population that obviously the United Nations and Action Force are uh, intent on protecting. Action Force is an international team made up from agents from around the world, and that's going to become important in later discussions. And, you know... The Red Shadows are these, these, these irredeemable baddies. They are not a sovereign nation. But when I was reading the story about essentially a British force um, liberating an island that had been held by foreign invaders, I immediately thought about the Falklands War, which was a 10-week war between the United Kingdom and Argentina over uh, two islands, I think it may be a group of islands, but anyways, the Falklands was one of them, um, that Argentina had invaded. It was a, a dependent territory, British dependent te territory in the South Atlantic. And this issue, this story, takes place in the South Atlantic. So I think there's definitely a case of art imitating life here. Um, particularly since the good guys are very much, well, would be the, the British um, uh, point of view, like trying to liberate this island from an invader. And that's how things were seen. Anyways, I, I don't want to riff too much in the history, but like it, it did it did ring some bells. I was like, hmm, this must have been very prominent in the hearts and minds of um, kids growing up in England and the United Kingdom. Um, because it would have been all over the news. And that's kind of cool that it is kind of current to the time it came out in. Um, mm. it's, it's kind of taking its stories from from things that happened at the time and that people can kind of, I suppose, relate to. And it's not just like a completely fantastical idea. Um, it's kind of like the, the writer was, okay, cool. 
something interesting happened recently. Let's try and riff on that. But overall, it's it's really cool. And I think, I mean, he breaks down the kind of like who these different forces are and the the approach to kind of like taking the island. Like, you know, they try and get intel initially. And that's kind of where you 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 learn a little bit more about the about the red shadows and how fanatical they are. Um, like they'd rather die than actually give information away. Um, <laughs> Very Bond trope. The one guy's got a cyanide capsule in his. Teeth. Yeah, it's. I mean, if you don't kill them, they'll probably. Which they'll, is very black. You know, hand. The... But, so... uh, yeah. 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 Um, but it's it's cool how they <clears throat> introduce each force and kind of like who you know their their arena of expertise and how they all kind of all work together to to solve this mission or to kind of like like win the day out which which i think is you know like like space force has a reason for being there like they're not just there because oh we want space toys um space force is there <laughs> to be able to deliver the sas you know they're, they're kind of like um crack insertion unit and then q force i think it's i think they call q force is the naval division of of action force and they're doing reconnaissance to kind of, you know, get the initial information about the island and how they're going to attack it and get in there. So then, many toys, guys. So many toys. I can't even imagine trying to collect all of these. I mean, from this, like, everyone just looks really cool. And it's nice that everyone gets a, a moment to shine. Um, mm. It's not just it's not just um, the SES, which I would imagine would have been the actual action force. Like, this is the action force, you know. Like, the SES, they're the guys who infiltrate and do, like, the crazy stuff in the mission. But actually, it's all of these guys. Like the action force is, is literally a, a military division. It's its own like military army, essentially. You um, stopped short of mentioning Z Force, which is Z Force, the, the infantry. Of, yeah, absolutely. Is there a, a preference? I mean, I think Rob, I asked you last week, and you said the. I SAS. think I said the SAS because they they feel the most like GI Joe, like they're the most specialized part of all of this. I mean, I, I imagine because because they're they're doing kind of like the behind the scenes missions. They're, they're kind of like the, almost like the to me they feel like the black ops. Um, you know, the guys who go <laughs> behind the lines to kind of get the mission done. Well, the 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 rest of the guys feel more like normal army in a way. Even okay. though obviously what what everyone all the different divisions are doing is stuff that Jojo does, but they feel more like general infantry as it were. Well, look, in 1982, G.I. Joe, I, I think, would probably just have been the the equivalent of the Z-Force. Mm. Uh, they didn't have a Space Force. They didn't really have a Navy, I mean, at all. <laughs> one might argue, apart from the U.S.'s flag and no one to, to crew it, except for <laughs> Keel Hall, Hall. <laughs> maybe Deep Six or Cutter blinking at each other, like G.I. Joe. Still doesn't really have a navy, whereas Action Force sought <laughs> to cover their bases right from the off. That they mm. weren't just a bunch of guys in green. They had a burgeoning space force, a navy, a clandestine unit, and their sort of main ground um, infantry unit and 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 mechanized unit. I mean, Z Force also has armor, and I'll say that the uh, <laughs> I'll just point it out because I can never get enough of pointing this out that. Um, the tank driver Steeler is not from Pittsburgh, but in fact from Athens. Mm. He's a Greek. Mm. Nah. Yeah, there's from the, the, you can actually you can see all the different uh, international members. Um, they do kind of like not point them out, but you kind of feel it through the dialogue. Mm, um, there's a lot of expository stuff. I mean, a lot of this is definitely written 
to just give info dumps. It's like yeah, you're not learning much about the characters. You're just like, oh, and there is the leader of Q Force, Leviathan, yeah, it, who is also very not... good at uh, shooting very far or something <laughs> to that effect. <laughs> Yes, his other specialty was Gunner's Mate or something like that. Well, yes. Okay. Thank you very <laughs> much. Name like Gunner. Leviathan, I sure hope so. <laughs> Paul, do you have a favorite um, group? You can include the Red Shadows if, if that's... Dude, that's I love Shadows, the, the Germans. <laughs> I love the Red Shadows. I think they're such cool villains. And I like their, their look and I like the way they operate. Uh, Action Force makes the Red Shadows as a bad guy... Um, seem really villainous, but then also very like, I want to say sexy in the sense that, you know, they they organized. You know, you don't feel like they're a bunch of dumb guys. You feel like they are, as you mentioned before, um, fanatical. I feel like sometimes GI Joe. I feel like the fanaticism in in Cobra Troopers is kind of uh, we as readers imbue that fanaticism into the, the those characters more than those characters actually bringing it onto the page. Whereas I feel like the Red Shadow guys bring it onto the page a bit more personally. Look, um, early, early Larry and early, well, just the early issues of the ARO run did paint Cobra as this fanatical suicide outfit that mm. troopers would sooner die than be um, taken captive and, and possibly betray Cobra Command. You know, like, so... I think both of these forces started out started out with the same brainchild of just being these these dehumanized, you know, as I said before, irredeemable baddies. But then I think Larry kind of breathed humanity into Cobra, and 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 the writers on Action Force, you know, either to their credit or not, um, never did the same with um, certainly with the rank and file Red Shadows. Mm -hmm. I mean, you do get to, to to get to grips with Black Major, with Baron Ironblood with Red Jackal, um, a little bit of Red Laser. So these characters kind of get fleshed out a little bit more, but definitely the Red Shadows themselves are, they are just meat, meat for the grinder. Mm. <laughs> I mean, the I also Baron himself the... and, and, and Black Major, just, they, they just throw troops you know, away worthlessly. Like they, they don't seem to, to have much interest in preservation of their own men's lives. It's, it's cruel stuff. I I gotta say, um, you mentioned him earlier, but Steeler, the the tank driver in this, yes. I really enjoyed him. I love the way he, I love the way the tank action is is carried through there. The way he like talks to the tank. If that makes sense. Well, you know, Paulie, if you liked Steeler's role in this, I will point you in the direction of one of Darren's favorite uh, arcs, if not his favorites, um, and that would be Desert Strike. Mm. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it's got some tank action out in the desert um, versus, uh, I, I don't know if it, it, strictly speaking, takes on a Harrier, but yeah, there's some, some great action sequences. I mean, guys, if we haven't sold this to you just yet, <laughs> Battle great. Action Force is a treasure trove of like great inspiration for for your appreciation of these toys and the mythologies surrounding them. Be it GI Joe, be it Action Force, this is this is a fantastic new jump off point, and it's got such a fresh and different approach. Um, I can't help but draw up a little bit of a list uh, in terms of similarities and differences that just this first issue has 
um, with its opposite number from across the pond, that being GI Joe issue number one. Uh, like on the s similarity side, I mean, on a very super su superficial level, they're both set on an island. Like that's always a very exotic and and cool location because it kind of sets your two opposing forces on this, this very kind of geographically limited um, uh, uh, piece of piece of land. So you know you're chucking them into this into this box together and watching them peck each other's eyes out. Um, yeah, and there's very little collateral damage as well, thanks to the oh, island. Oh, you say that, but. Okay, I'll get to the differences, but I'll just quickly fly through the similarities. They both involve a doomsday weapon. Uh, I mean, in Operation Lady Doomsday, it's more the idea of a weapon that Adele Burkhart, if she spills the beans to Cobra, this is some bad shit that could be unleashed on the world. Whereas here, we have a situation where if Action Force don't save the day, the whole island goes up because there's already a live ticking, you know, doomsday weapon on the island itself anyways um they both introduce loads of personnel and equipment um they both end in a kind of a self-destruct um trope uh they both end with the big baddies getting away and they get, get away in a similar fashion but in the differences category i'm gonna say that in spite of me loving this issue Larry had a far more memorable scripting style. He had humor, he had levity, he had a very defined idea of who each of the original 13 were in terms of what, what kind of character traits they added to the team. You know, even if, even if they only had one line of dialogue, I think Larry had a firm idea of like, okay, this is the hothead of the group. This is the muscle of gr the group. This is the street smarts guy. This is the, the, the young, wet behind the ears guy. This is the commando, you know. Um, whereas all the characters in the Action Force issue are kind of painted with the same brush. The heroes are heroic. The villains are villainous. There isn't much room for, like, character moments. Would you agree? Uh, I would, yeah. Because when you asked me which is one of my, which is my favorite team... <laughs> uh, just without looking, yeah, but without having to look at the comic book and, and, you know, I didn't have a knee jerk reaction. I was kind of like, uh, Q force, it force, SAS. Okay. Hold on. Just that, which character, what's that character's name now? All that kind of stuff. Like I had problems with that because, and the only one that stood out for me was Steeler because I felt that he had given me the most personality other than the villains. He so, calls his tank goddess. Come my yeah, goddess. <laughs> Mm. I love that, man. I think that's so cool. And it's such a mech thing as well. But uh, yeah, that, that, so I would agree with you on those points because I didn't ha immediately have a familiarity with the characters. Where I, whereas I know in, in G.I. Joe, even though, yes, I know who these characters are, um, we did get to know them a little bit better. You know, we did get some, uh, if memory serves, because I need to read the first one again. I haven't read it in a while. <laughs> But, uh, Look, in this yeah. story, it's it's an absolute bluster through a lot of figurines and equipment. But I will say this much to action or to Battle of Action Forces credit: they do a number of character focus issues. So if you had a favorite figure, chances are, like there's a Battle Action Force storyline, even if it was a short one. Some of them are long. Like the Black Major gets a very lengthy, devoted plotline. 
that runs over a number of issues. Um, some of them are shorter, but chances are you get that character focus later on, which is something that I think G.I. Joe, you know, Larry played to his favorites. We all know that. And if they weren't, if your character, if your favorite wasn't within that kind of, I don't know, closed list, um, you got, you got the barest of lip services. So th there's a great deal of um, equity amongst characters in uh, Battle Action Force because, well, read on, dear friends. And uh, as I say, if you do play favorites, you, chances are you might, you might, you might be lucky. You get some dedicated stuff. So I got a, I got a theory about um, Battle Action Force. Um, and action force in general. Okay. Mm -hmm. So one of the most popular things on TV around that time was also the Thunderbirds and Captain Scarlet. I think it's Captain Scarlet. Um, and you know, some of the, <laughs> the other space force of... give you big Thunderbirds vibes. I get Yay. big Thunderbird vibe. I get Jerry Anderson vibes from this whole comic book. Um, so there's... the, the artist on this, uh, was also an artist on the novelization or not the novelizations, the, 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 um, the comic books for Thunderbirds, ah. for uh, Captain Scarlet. Interesting. It's probably because mm -hmm. he's so good at drawing like mechanical stuff. Like yes. you get the the sense of the detailing of of the tanks, even the fantastical stuff like um, Red Laser's Red Laser, <laughs> <laughs> which is the Hell. Did you notice? Yes, that I did. Yes. The GI yeah. Joe Hell, and it's drawn so well. <laughs> Painted red. <laughs> yes, so artist Jim Watson, we salute you, sir. Rest in peace. He's no longer with us, I'm afraid. But yeah, brilliant, brilliant work. And so, and also the style of storytelling. Okay, so now here's a, uh, like you sort of smashed this a little bit in my mind, but that's something I'm still thinking about. Uh, it, that's still sort of making sense to me. I kind of feel like, and wow, I'm actually, I kind of feel like the Sunbow cartoon. Mm -hmm. actually has a lot to thank action force because okay. i think there's a lot of style that goes into the sunbow cartoon that comes from action force and i say this only because i'm reading action force now you know um after the fact after having read gi joe and watched gi joe as a sunbow show i'm just i just can't help but feel that there's so much fuel here for the cartoon like it's almost like a lot of the style for the cartoon comes from this style of storytelling in these books. Now, maybe that's just a big, a big leap, but it is just something I feel about it. It, it just sort of makes more sense. It feels, I don't know. It just, yeah, it just feels more <laughs> like a cartoon. Like it's ways. not outside of the realm of possibility that Sunbow writers might've picked up a rag if they crossed the channel or crossed the Atlantic, I should say. But, um, I'm I'm gonna say the smart money uh, is probably on the fact that like Dixon and Dilly, I don't think those guys ever read uh, Battle Action Force. Yeah, then maybe it's but, just a stylistic thing for the time. Then, you know, as well. Yeah. Well, expand on that, Paul. What what gives you the Sunbow vibe here? The brevity of it. The fact that it's yeah, like quite. It's just that like, it's it's just that in this first issue we've got. Um, a land force, a sea force, and space, like happening in the same like issue, you know, which is very much a Sunbow thing and not very much a GI Joe comic thing. In GI Joe comic, it would, they would normally have like the build up to something 
and then you would get it in the next issue them going to space or doing something you know like mm. this all feels very compressed into you know a, a, it feels like this could be very well compressed into a 30 minute let's call it toy commercial but you know those shows were a bit more than that but it just feels like that for me the way that they introduce characters and their specialties the way they show the vehicles off um that kind of stuff it just almost feels like action force just created more of a template for the cartoon or more of a template that would work and maybe that was the style you know of the time going forward maybe that's you know maybe when they did action force maybe they got some samples of what they were doing for the adverts you know for the comic book which hmm. were animated maybe they saw that and felt okay maybe that's the kind of way we have to do this comic book maybe british comics are just better at doing that kind of storytelling or they understand that market differently you know look I, I, i'm gonna I, say it's probably the latter because this does definitely feel like it's written in the mold of all the kind of the war story comic books of the time that were coming out of the uk except now it's populated with characters that you can actually buy plastic incarnations of and mm. that oh that's my that's my happy place boys um <laughs> something whimsical that i want to draw your attention to uh, what did you guys think of um, sound effects use in the comic? There weren't really any sound effects. I think the only sound effect is when someone screams when they're dying. And it's always, I... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the answer to my question is, or oh, my trick question is, there are no sound effects. <laughs> Everything is, 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 if you're seeing it, it's text. That is speech that is coming out of someone's mouth. Even if it is, I... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. 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 For sure. I think the explosions happen often, like a, a, a big focus of, of yeah, in your mind, but like the big focus of, of 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 an action thing happening or an explosion where you would have um, uh, sound effects. Would I mean the panel itself is is exploding? I think it's on the second or third page. You, you showed it earlier where the the tank crashes into the laser um Ooh. and that is that is a focal point or even yeah on that on you know um like that's a hectic focal point right there it's just like yeah. you can just feel the sound effect in your head Ooh, that was a good the, sound effect rob can you do that again <laughs> I mean, awesome it's, it's fantastic i mean and there's lots of action going on i suppose there's so much action that you can't sound effect everything i mean even just a couple of panels above that there's there's a there's a car or something blowing up in the background of, of the people talking it's just, uh, this is war, Z-Force, it's happening. Z-Force Jeep. I've got the yeah. AF3 version of that. Lovely, and lovely the, gift the, from my man, dead, my man, Jim. There's, there's dudes that are dead in that thing right there. <laughs> yeah, this definitely ain't your Saturday morning cartoon. <laughs> um, so, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's your Sunday morning several strip. Times. <laughs> 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 Hard stories. Um, this is a point, an act that I've ground a lot. Anytime I've had the opportunity to do so on Talking Joe, for instance. Um, and that's, I really admire the restraint of not using onomatopoeia or sound yeah. effects on comic book pages, because yes, we do create the sounds in our minds, um, and filling, filling a page or filling artwork or covering up artwork with rat-a-tat-a-tat-a-tat, blam, 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 is giving away vital art real estate. With something yeah, that, I think, as I say, your mind creates. I think and it's the same. And then my final nail in the cop yeah. coffin. Sorry, Rob, I, I'm going to no, 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 wrap no. this up by saying that modern comic books 
of the reason I am pissed off with sound effects. Because back in the day, the sound effects would be, they'd be integrated into the art. In fact, I, mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure the penciler was responsible for creating them. It wasn't something yeah. that was, but in modern comics, it's an overlay. It's done afterwards. And oftentimes the text itself is jarring. It doesn't fit the art style. It's, it's not vectored correctly or it's distracting in ways that, you know, it, it sets itself apart because it is a digital overlay on, you know, comic book art that is attempting to be traditional comic book art. I, you know, it's probably done digitally anyways, but it still is attempting to be the old school style of art. And, and yet you've got this very obvious overlay of digital text to, to put in the sound effects and it's done in cool like colors or like it has an ombre or sort of a fade to it Paul you can help me out with the terminology but like oh yeah it just is a visual distraction to me so here we have an example of just not needing them at all and actually I don't mind it I, I don't even notice their absence I in fact applaud their absence I see a muzzle flash and I'm like, yes, of course it's going rat-a-tat-a-tat. <laughs> Don't have to draw uh, attention to it. I think an interesting parallel would be to the use of um, laugh tracks in, in sitcoms in America, <laughs> where initially there was obviously a purpose for it. There was a reason for putting it in there, but it kind of got to a point where every other line that came out of a character's mouth was greeted by a laugh track, even when the lines themselves were not necessarily funny. Um, I think I think probably the the biggest offender of that in modern day um, television would be Big Bang, uh, Big Bang uh, theory, where yeah. it's constantly hitting you with that laugh track. Um, where I think yeah, there was a, initially a purpose for it. There was a reason for it. It was kind of like you know, kind of draw attention to the laugh, the, the gag. Um, but a comedy or television stories. I mean, I, there are still TV shows that use laugh tracks, but they use it sparingly or they've moved completely away from it where they just leave it completely up to the, because of the way the stories are told, the, the jokes are set up. It's, it's up to the audience themselves to find something funny and to, and to mm -hmm. realize it is funny. So I think that's also a, a way in which comic books kind of, um, there was obviously very much a reason for the, the, uh, sound effects on the pages. I mean, they're often integrated into the into the artwork, as Stephen said. But now it's they're just there because we've always done sound effects. So we can't not have sound effects in our current books, um, mm. at least in the in the in the the mainstream Western current books produced, you know, in America, say by DC and Marvel, they, they, they still do it because it's 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 the way it's done. Um, while Battle Action Force from the very start took its 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 own kind of tack, um, did the British thing, and just was like you, you decide for yourself <laughs> how you well, want to hear this thing. Very British and, thing, isn't it? Well, it's it's very sparing, which I mean, and it's very to the point. I mean, the entire story, the way that they're telling the stories is is very compact. It's um, you, you, they need to get through this, not need to get through it, but they need you to focus on what they you know read the words, look at this amazing art that we have here and re enjoy the story hmm. you can you can figure out the sound effects for yourself well I, it was a debut issue and of course it had a huge uh, clip to it it was very brisk storytelling it set up the pieces and hopefully if we've done our job right 
it's set you, dear listener, on a uh, a path to a read journey. a little bit more Battle Action Force if you haven't already poured over these stories. And if you have, write us and tell us your favorites. And maybe, just maybe, G.I. Joeberg will, uh, in the very near future, do another review like this. Yeah, why not? I, I, I'm very excited to keep going. Um, oh, goody, Rob. If people have, have issues that they want to suggest that we read and, and review, I'll definitely do that. Why good. not? Good, Let's good. And it also, it, it, it's interesting because it's from the very start, there were different versions of G.I. Joe. I mean, obviously, there's always been the, the difference between the, the cartoon and the comic books. But there's also a difference in different um, countries. You know, the G.I. Joe itself is, is a very varied um, base on which you can kind of build and tell your own stories in, which I think is really cool. It kind of, at least in my mind, lends a little bit more legitimacy to um, other versions of the shows. Um, you know, like like the the A Team version, the Renegades, um, uh, which I, th I think is actually kind of cool and kind of opens up me to being a little bit, I suppose, a little less crit critical of like other versions of these characters. Hang on, have you been watching the Renegades? I haven't, um, but I, from okay. remembering what the Renegades was, um, I don't have access to any of the Renegades stuff. Well, um, it's 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 currently free and live on YouTube. Oh, <laughs> they, ha they have it going twenty four seven, Whoa. which is a question I put to you guys and got no response, unfortunately. Um, how do we make GI Joe run twenty four seven? You can't. What you do oh. is you you just have a, a playlist <laughs> that is um, always available. That's all. Because you you're seeing it as a twenty four hour thing, but it's actually not really twenty four hours. It's just there. It's just running on the. It could case. be it's a, like a live. It's, as, it's as a I live broadcast it. or something. I don't know. This, so do this we technical to... stuff confuses me. We're gonna have to just be live forever, essentially. So you just play well, your videos on a live stream. I've seen it basically... on other channels. I mean, there's this and there's there's a couple of other channels that I've I've seen where they do run the their retro videos constantly. Oh, absolutely! Well. New retro wave, mm. lo-fi, hip-hop. Um, Hasbro with their G.I. Joe cartoons, and I'm sure they do My Little Pony and everything else. Um, there's like an anime channel that I stumbled onto uh, on YouTube the other day, which is, is also like just wall-to-wall -wall streaming. So I, I wanted to basically just put up all our play motions as part of an endless playlist on loop. So anyone who just kind of wanted something on in the background, see some action figures flopping around <laughs> in my hands, um, would have access to that. But I suppose anyone could just go to the playlist, but it's far more inviting for YouTube to say to you, hey, G.I. Joe Berg is live right now, and they're just playing their and best you just, hits you just go over check it out. and over and over and over again. <laughs> so, damn it. If anyone knows how I can set that up, that'd be great. It probably has to go through StreamYard and all that shit, but... Whatever, no, man. I'm sure we can figure I'm it out. I'm inspired by Hasbro. <laughs> Hasbro like... has finally inspired you. Fantastic. Yeah. Unlike yeah. some of their, their, their other recent uh, fluffs, I guess. <laughs> all right. What do you mean? We, um, we have a response from Darren. He would love us to review all of the Battle Action Force uh, stories. Okay, then. Um, uh, starting next fine, week. Fine, you twisted our arm. Ugh. Here we go. <laughs> um, but if you have a top three, Darren, I think that would... Um, probably be more realistic it's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of reading it's 92 issues it's going to take from here to episode 300 and something we can do it <laughs> Just, should we reach into the mailbag paul Ooh. do you still have some sob stories you want to tell us 
I well, I don't want to call them sob stories, but yes, I do have <laughs> one or two uh, Those sad sex stories. Oh, I gosh. don't. You, you guys are terrible. No, man, <laughs> I I have got one or two. Uh, I think there were even one or two that were added to Facebook um, post our episode. But you know, on the last episode, we left off on um, MC DJ ACDC. So, haha, I did that without looking. <laughs> I'm getting good at this. Um, yeah, so I'd like to, to read um, his submission um, quickly uh, from Patreon. In the meantime, I've got uh, still got some great wish, wish list items from our friends and fans out there. Cody Scalf. For 2021, he would love to pick up a Terradrome. Good luck, pal. Uh, the Checkpoint Alpha, that's that's way more achievable. Uh, Tiger Force Outback, mm, yeah, dipping into the Grail territory again. Night Raven, mm, you could you could you could find that, but you can. Uh, actually, I know thing. a local guy with a Night Raven. If he's that's looking. not going to help our friend in the United States. Well, Damn you, Paul, for dangling that carrot. No, yeah. well, and number I'm five, saying... guys. Have you ever heard of the Adventure Team Escape Car? Mm, not offhand. Uh, it's like a go-kart for the big boys, for the 12-inch guys. So, Cody, ah. you have to elaborate why you want this particular vehicle. Um, is it somehow adaptable to 3 and 3 quarter inch Joe? Or are you a 12-inch collector on the side? Are you cheating on your little guys? <laughs> Cheater. Cheater. Glenn Peak of the Peak Clan, who sired those four sons who make the most awesome play motion submissions. He would love to get the Cobra Transport Plane, or oh, this is his sort of mythical G.I. Joe stuff. The Cobra Transport Plane with the snake head on front, in front. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Paul, you'd like that too, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, no, I'd love it. Give me two. Massive. Uh, Snake Eyes version 1 or 1.5. Okay, so that exists. Um, Terradrome, that exists. Mauler and a USS flag plus room for it. <laughs> yeah, I think that makes it six items, my friend. That's a clever caveat, though. Yeah, look, it's, plus it's room always, for it. There's, yeah. There are those like internet questions that go around, like saying, what would you rather have, like a personal chef all your life, or... Um, a million bucks or uh, no, not a million anyways, one of the options is the house to always be cleaned like you never have to do any house cleaning and I mm. always select that one because I'm like well that's the only option that comes with a house <laughs> <laughs> so clever <laughs> but don't they always have like cool. some kind of like rule like you know uh, you can have this in your life as long as you go down on like a you know <laughs> hell yeah What's yeah, Mephistopheles or whatever. Who's the guy who sold his soul? Whatever. Uh, yeah, I think it is Mephistopheles. Faust. It's Faust. That's it. E. Any huge. Um, Any huge. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I've got. I've got the... Darren, Darren's wish list. Forgive me if I have actually mentioned this. If you posted it on Facebook, but I mean on Patreon, but things that does exist: the USS Flag, the Cobra Rattler, a complete whale. <sighs> Ouch! With those veins. Um, a vacation in the shadows convention set. Yes, yes, yes. This one had the O-ring, uh, red shadows figures, plus a flint, plus a black major that was <laughs> embossed. But still, they're very hard to get. They are very coveted. And then the fantasy wish list 
the classic is a classified red shadow classified iron grenadier cost destro obco valdez the cobra transport helicopter yes i did read those out already but worth mentioning again the obco valdez i forget oh yes that was in the destro must die storyline i think it had uh like hurricanes like cobra vtols it was like a tanker that was converted to hold cobra aircraft Mm. very cool paul take it away cool i'll be ready sweet rock and roll okay august 1986 my family and i were moving to europe for my father's job with everything packed up and ready to go i was super excited about living in europe for the second time due to shipping and moving regulations i could only ship either my joes or transformers thus one had to go in temporary storage so as fate would have it I chose to take those robots in disguise versus a bunch of heroes and evil terrorists. Hmm. <laughs> I was told that I could bring with me a couple of Transformers in my personal bag to have with me when I got to Europe due to the shipping uh, of the other items uh, taking a few months to arrive. I chose Transformers to put in my carry-on bag and they were G1 Blue Streak, Smokescreen, Hound and Hoist. The movers came and went the next day. I could not find those three Transformers. Of course, being a child and in panic, my mother stated, don't worry, maybe they got packed up with the other items and you'll see them in a couple of months once we get settled overseas. A couple of months went by and we received our household goods, unpacked them, and you know the rest of the story already. Those three Transformers were stolen by the movers. <gasps> and long gone at this point, bastards. As a child, I was devastated. It was the end of 1986. Shame. <laughs> and those three characters were nowhere to be found in stores. Sadly, as we all know, there was no eBay or other go-to internet websites for those collecting hobbies. Even as a child, with unbelievable faith and luck, believing when we returned to the United States four years later, I hoped that somehow they were packed and in storage with my G.I. Joe. As Lady Luck would not have it, she did not care for me at all, and those beloved robot heroes were not with my Joes, which were all okay despite being in storage for four years. At least the story has a happy ending, as when eBay first came on the scene, I quickly replaced those missing-in-action Transformer characters stolen from my childhood collection first thing. Uh, on a funny side, uh, sidebar note, being paranoid about those particular Transformers in 2003, when Hasbro had the Toys R Us commemorative edition series, I quickly acquired another blue streak, smokescreen, and hoist yet again. Wow, it sounds like... It, it, I mean, it's horrible when you like have three of your favorite characters disappear. That really sucks. But, you know, to weigh it all up, at least it was just those three. But maybe that turned you into a collector, dude. I don't know. I got, he I got he a bought them and bought them again just to be safe. And I can connect with that because let me tell you, once again, when, when eBay became an avenue to get vintage toys, Zartan was very in my crosshairs. And when I did the research, because, you know, I was I was learning a whole lot about G.I. Joe all at once when I should have been studying at the UCT library, <laughs> university library. Anyways, I learned to my horror that Zartan's torso halves were fused. So that Zartan that was winging its way to me um, from overseas would have a limited lifespan. Like once that O-ring is shot, I was like, oh, geez, do I then have to break my Zartan? I wasn't aware of ways to, to separate those torso halves safely. So I immediately ordered a second one because <laughs> I was like, 
<laughs> I've got to have one to play with and one to hopefully preserve um, the rubber of. But yeah, oh. rubber will give up when rubber Ooh. gives up. Thank you for the story. Um, I'm glad it had a happy ending. Yeah, yeah. Thank but, but I mean, that initial touch, I mean, oh God. I, it's, it's a gross <laughs> The initial that... part, just like, yeah. I mean, I, I used to have that sometimes when I got home, man. Like, I'd get home and a figure like a Ninja Turtle toy that I had that I was playing with that I'd put in a specific space wouldn't be there. And I'd be like, I left it there, you know? And I'd look, uh, uh, in fact, it was actually Leonardo. And I was looking throughout the whole house for Leonardo, everywhere, everywhere. And uh, I couldn't find it. And I asked Eunice and she was like, no, she doesn't know. And then I showed her one of the other turtles just to, you know, just show her this is the one that I'm looking for, but it's just blue. And she's like, okay, no, she'll keep an eye out, whatever. So I'm looking, 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 looking. Anyway, so I eventually gave up. And then the next day, it sort of like turned up, you know, in the house somewhere. And I was like, huh, that's weird. And hmm. I'm, I'm lucky I got my Leonardo back. Um, but then also another figure I had, which was the Rat King. Uh, also, same thing. Couldn't find it anywhere. And one day I'm walking home from school. And it's the weirdest thing, dude. I'm walking home. And instead of cutting through the felt like we normally did, we actually went through the whole street. Because um, <laughs> I just decided... Or the field for... Uh, yeah, the bush. Sorry. Yeah, like, it's now a park. But... Um, and I decided, no, no, I actually wanted to go down the road and then take a ride. I actually wanted to walk down the road instead of going through the bush for that day. I don't know, through the felt field, whatever. And in the window, I saw a Rat King toy um, of one of my neighbors. Now, this was before we had these big walls, you know, in front of our houses. And I saw this Rat King figure sitting in the window. And I was like, no, that can't be my Rat King. Um, and it did, it was actually, oh, one of my dogs had managed to get hold of it. So it hit. He had a little bit of a bite mark on the arm. So I thought, no, nah, let me go and have a look. And it was sure as shit, it was that Rat King. And I immediately, immediately told Eunice, I was like, Eunice, because she was an adult. And I was like, Eunice, you need to speak to these people. Somehow they have my Rat King. <laughs> anyway, and she was like, she didn't want to like argue with me about it. She actually went and did it, which I was like, what? And then I got my Rat King back. And I told my dad about that and he thought it was really strange. And then as you guys know from the last episode, and this woman was actually like sneaking shit out of my house and selling it to people. <laughs> so she had obviously sold it to these people here because that's where the, the domestic lady was obviously staying on site. And that was the domestic lady's room. And she was keeping it on the window. So now I feel terrible oh, well, because she obviously, she obviously got it for her child. I mean, it was just up the road from my house. It wasn't like really that far. She obviously got it for her child. And now like I want my toy back. So now this poor kid also got back from school and he saw his toys gone. And he must have been like really upset. So... Anyway, moving right along, we've got another story in the email. <laughs> oh, my friend, let's shift focus from the sob stories ever so slightly, because guess who's back? It's Falcon and Crazy Legs. Hey. Oh, oh excellent. Come on, Crazy Legs, you drive it. What do you think, I'm crazy? Well, actually, yes, I do. No, 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 no. I'm not driving that thing. I don't drive 12-year-old things through the swamp. That's just so stinky and yucky. Yeah. Well, who else is going to do it? I don't know. Maybe Muskrat or that ninja guy. S Snake Eyes? No, no, the other one. Storm Shadow? Yeah, yeah, that guy. Who's, whose team is he on anyway? He's on our team. This sounds like a job folder. G.I. Jordberg. Who do you think the best person would be to drive the Swamp Masher? Yeah, who's most qualified to drive it? And better yet... 
who would look best driving it? Hmm. It's got to be sci-fi, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's just neon green overload. I don't know, James. Who's best qualified he... to drive a swamp masher? What? He, he definitely would suit it. I mean, the, the color scheme is, is right on the money. Hmm. It's tough. It has to be a character from the 90s, though, I think. Yeah, I'm thinking that that's my feel, too. Like, Look, if you like contrast, Ice Cream Soldier, your favorite, Rob, has a fabulous uh, Lumo orange and yellow ensemble. So that offsets <laughs> the, the neon green and deep purple of the Swamp Masher quite nicely. Dude, dude, I don't we know, could man. completely embrace it and, and, and do... Um, Ozone, but like his um, Starbuck his envir environment version. version. Yeah, no, the blue helmeted version. The blue one. I think the oh, blue no. one. Because I mean, that's a nice contrast. The kind of like the green and the purple, and he's like all sitting blue in the middle there. I buy. Because did a bunch of Swamp Masher looks like Eco Warrior. It, it can go into well, it wouldn't offer any protection, and that's where um, Ozone's own suit comes into play. But at least yeah. in terms of like a hostile environment. It's got those crazy wheels that can just kind of, I don't know, mount anything. Yeah, hey, you, you'd be turning up all that radioactive stuff. You should turn it up. <laughs> it's been fantastic. <laughs> oh, it's a good question. Very good question. Uh, like such a left field question because, yes, the Swamp Masher, like any other basic vehicle that didn't include a driver, is going to get you asking the question, who the hell am I putting in it? And mm. most people default to Muskrat because they were released the same year. Essentially, they both operate in swamps. But if you wanted to think a little bit out the box... But mm. I think an Ecoforce guy would be a good choice because it, it is a vehicle that can, you can get in anywhere. You can... Uh, if there's some sort of ecological problem, you know, you need to be able to get in as quickly as possible, I suppose, and be able to solve it before things get really out of hand. I think an eco eco you can turn it into EcoForce vehicle, definitely. There were a number of instances where the Swamp Masher was promoted alongside Toxo Viper. Mm. Um, yeah, a few catalog images. Um, we reviewed one on this channel. Uh, the Benelux catalog had this beautiful spread with the Swamp Masher, and I can't remember who was driving it, but they were definitely coming into contact with Toxo Vipers. It almost feels like Toxo Viper should be the driver. I mean, the, their <laughs> color schemes are exceptionally similar. The green and the yeah. purple, once again. Well, it debuted I, on the wrong then, team. And that begs the question, should the Swamp Masher have been a G.I. Joe vehicle at all? Isn't this something that screams Cobra? I, don't I was actually going to say, what about Pathfinder, dude? I think Pathfinder is perfect for the Swamp Masher. <laughs> he, could, I, he would actually work for it, too. No, I would agree I with you, you, Paul, except I'm now stuck on the idea of the Swamp Basher being some kind of freaky-deaky, hostile environment, toxo vehicle. I just like Pathfinder because it makes sense, because you could, like, Pathfinder could use the Swamp Masher, go into places, and if things get, like, stuck in its treads, Swamp Ma um, Pathfinder's got the tools to remove that, you know? That's true, because these things definitely do like they look like stuff would get stuck in them. Yeah, that, or, you know, maybe, maybe the Swamp is just, like, a gardening um, vehicle <laughs> that's been like added a gun to it. So like maybe Pathfinder's just like, hey, you know, he has like little races outside the 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 GI Joe HQ 
a Sunbow HQ lawn or something, you know, he's like out there, he's like, yeah, this is amazing. And if Cobra attacks, he can shoot back. It's great. You know, I don't know. But it just, it just seems like a vehicle that like Pathfinder sort of works with in my mind. Ta-da. I'm now sharing my screen and yes, it is Blocker riding that Swamp Masher and it's Blaster. The hovercraft pilots on the back. They look kind of good. Crazy Legs and Falcon, I think I have my answer. The Swamp Masher looks good with a pair of BF2K guys riding it. I knew, I knew I'm going to go said, full Ecoforce. BF2K. Go I thought Steve was about to say it looks like a, a good with a pair of boobs. <laughs> like, I don't know why I thought that. <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to stick with Pathfinder. I think Pathfinder works really, really well for that. Heck yeah. I'd say anyone Who's on from the gun? Ecoforce. Eco-warriors. Also Pathfinder, because most people have doubles now. <laughs> <laughs> no. Can't give that figure it's away. Pathfinder. I've never been a Pathfinder fan, and I've, I don't know if I'll ever bring myself to own one. I would pop Falcon. Uh, I think Falcon would be on the gun, and then uh, Ozone driving. Or maybe the no, other way around. I actually kind of like the idea of that. Um, you know that there's that one eco-warriors figure, but it's like, I think it's meant to be deep six, but it's based on that, you know, they got the square heads with like the glass faces. They look kind of yes. creepy. Yeah, the green one, I think that's, I'm not sure who that's meant to be. But I, I, I feel like he would look good on there because also if you're going to sit on the back and you're the gunner on the Swamp Masher, I would hope, I would be wearing a helmet. I'd actually want to wear like a wetsuit and a helmet because you're going to get splodged yeah. with... Sh mud and twigs and bugs and it's going to be mad so I'd rather just have something with a nice windscreen on it that you and also you, you don't want people to know that you're driving this thing around so you want to be anonymous mm. while driving it yeah nobody wants to look at you and go you know oh by the way i saw you in the swamp measure and you're like no you didn't like, oh, <laughs> nope That's, that wasn't I me was, i was i was in the, the so... bathroom i was doing kp duty uh <laughs> <laughs> So the chats have a great uh, little thread going at the moment, and that's the, the Swamp Masher with its epically Decepticon colors, uh, that being the purple and the Lumo Green, Lime Green. Mm. Um, it just needs a Decepticon logo. Exactly, it's the Constructicons, mm. right? Yes, um, that would work. In the late 80s, uh, <laughs> there was that non-transforming line of Transformers called Action Masters, and yes, they did do a devastator basically a non-transforming almost three and three quarter inch o-ring construction um with a t-hook and everything uh transformer i My think word. it had o-ring construction it might have just been a t-hook but i do recall it sharing a lot of similarities with gi joe over time so while i don't think you could get that devastator's legs into the swamp masher which is a very fiddly arrangement he could certainly man the gun, and that would be very, very fitting. He would definitely fit in there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gents. Um, what what else remains uh, to be discussed? I think we've come to the end of another delightful chat. If I do we say so myself. Yeah, we'll Absolutely. save some of our our collection that was stories for the next episode then. I think that'd be cool. Mm -hmm. sure. Thanks again for joining us, gents, in the uh, chats, in the live studio audience. It's always a treat to have some interaction as we do this thing. Um, thank you, Paul. Keeps us on our toes, it. for sure. Yeah, exactly. Oh, Keeps us from straying too far or, or, or saying the wrong things. So thank you. Ooh. Got our fact checkers. Yep, yep. 
Also, let's. I would just like to take a second to welcome Bob. He's our new Bug Force member on the Patreon. Bob. Welcome, Bob. Um, you. We're so glad to have you, dude. Thank you for your support. It's much appreciated. And by extension, thank you to, to the support of our Bergforce, to everybody that has supported or continue to, uh, continues to support the G.I. Joe Berg Patreon, the Bergforce. We love you guys. Thank you very much. Um, so I just wanted to throw that in there. Also, uh, to whoever bought merch last week or two weeks ago, thank you very much as well. I just saw on my analytics, somebody got themselves some cool new T-shirts and merchandise. Um, yeah. that was great to see if you want to have some cool merchandise check it out we have a link in the description below alongside the patreon link so you can either join the patreon get some merch or do both and uh, while you add it you might as well just hit that bell if you <laughs> haven't already we know you have so you might as well just like the video um, uh -huh. and yeah guys thank you so much for the support I thought I'd uh, quickly show you guys something that's happening on my screen what is that, Paul? That looks like some, some original Action Force artwork. It is, yeah. I just thought it'd be fun to do for the um, banner quickly while we were chatting. So it's just a quick sketch. You Paul... knocked it out so quick. And it's perfect because of the limited color scheme as well. Yeah, I try to keep it simple. So, Okay, for our listeners, um, if you do have a way to see the thumbnail to this episode, take a little look-see. Paul has, in the time we have been chatting knocked out some Red Shadows artwork with a very strapping Baron Iron Blood in the middle. And, I mean, sure, it's rough, but damn it, bro. It, it looks like... I mean, it's great. It's great. Thanks, man. Yeah, I, I, figured I, don't, it'd be I, don't, nice. I don't know how you'd improve upon this if you did have a bit more time. I don't yeah. think... Don't do anything else to it. I think it's perfect. Yeah, I think this. I'm going to leave it as is. Yeah, I'm just going to try and th think of something cool for the background. But yeah, that's going to be the ba banner for this episode. So... Heck yeah. Bravo. Shot, guys. And then... He really is an artist, guys. It's, 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 <laughs> oh, it's, my it's, word. It's, 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 you say you've not done sequential art. art. before? <laughs> but, I mean, you've just knocked this out in color, no less. I mean, this isn't just a... It's not just raw pencils. Like, it's done <laughs> it's finished this is oh, put damn. a couple of background in there he could definitely do a current book i think you know hour and a half maybe for for a panel i mean yeah I'm i just could saying. maybe do it I, I know the people to speak to to see if i can if i if i feel brave i know who to speak to i mean Look. i know a very nice guy by the name of sean isaacs he does some amazing hey. comic book work he's working on avengers and stuff currently so heck yeah yeah sorry Good you're gonna man. say steve even if given more time, what would you do to this artwork? Oh, I would, uh, I'll tight. Okay. Well, for starters, I would just maybe tighten up the line work just a little bit, just ink it a bit better, give it a bit more tone, um, give it a bit more detail in certain areas, not like a lot, but I'd pretty much mm, keep it. I at see that you've got style. highlights, you've got highlights on the red, sh red, red shadows, but, um, Baron's kind of, yeah, he's in the foreground though, cause this explosion is on the sides and it's not touching him. Mm. yeah so i mean maybe maybe i'll tone it a bit differently you know uh just a bit more accurately i suppose um yeah i think that's what i would do i'd also like i mean this is just like a very quick style i tried to actually tune it up a little bit more to be honest um but i wasn't quite getting the feel that i wanted uh, i think what happened is like i got stuck on those red shadow helmets and i really wanted to get them to look right <laughs> you gave so. them a little bit of uh, extra greebly yeah yes i like it yeah. because let's be honest like the 
the kind of I don't know the swoop of it uh, in the traditional toy and in the artwork. It isn't human. It needs a little bit more of a chin. So, yeah, bravo, man. Shot, dude. I like this. So, yes, uh, if you are listening to this and scratching your heads, um, there's a very simple way to check it. Hopefully, your pod player uses our thumbnails. But uh, otherwise, just check out the YouTube version. Skip right to, I don't know, one hour 35, and you'll see it. Anyways, I've enjoyed this immensely. Thank you for making my night, boys. You're Uh, welcome. Thanks for making our weekends. Yo, yeah. Joburg, everybody. Yo, Joe. Oh, and for the Bogue Force, uh, <laughs> check out your mail. Sorry, like you'll, um, I will, you'll be getting little messages from me um, individually. It won't be a bulk message with a little Aww. surprise in it. So keep an eye open for that. That's going to happen over the next three weeks. That is going to happen. So if you don't see anything this week, please um, don't be sad or anything. It means that it's probably <laughs> still down the line for you. Okay, cool. And if you so, would like uh, to get hold of the show. Send us your thoughts at a real South African hero at gmail.com or just hit the link in the description below. And Rob, if they want to spam you, how do they get hold of you specifically? Um, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm sometimes on Twitter. Um, I'm sometimes on Instagram. No clarity here. That's one word. No clarity here. Um, you can try and message me. And he loves it. Hopefully... He loves it. Hopefully I'll reply. I'm, I'm because I receive so few messages. I, I, I tend not to even know where to check for messages. <laughs> well, you're about to be very popular now. Watch out! That spam folder. You have to accept Watch out. some. some I'm gonna, news, I'm gonna look. I'm gonna look. Okay. Uh, right. well, it, just, it depends on on the picture, you know. Like if it's if it looks like a spammy <laughs> picture, I'm definitely not gonna. Natasha just followed you and likes all five of your pictures. Wow! <laughs> Join my How private group. Time? <laughs> How long has Natasha been on Instagram? Uh, a week. A couple of hours now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like a whole three followers. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, but yeah, yes, guys, that was awesome. Thank you so much. Two sixteen. We started our journey with the with with the Baron Ironblood and his blood, and it's gonna flow. <laughs> <laughs> Later. <laughs>